You're listening to the Casting for Fun podcast, the show that talks about entertainment, sports, music, and inspirational stories for all to enjoy. We're glad that you could join us today. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. Welcome, everyone, to the Casting for Fun podcast. I am your host, Albert Pineda, and happy Star Wars Day. Uh, Happy May the 4th. And so excited that I get to finally record and release this episode. Uh, When I started my podcast, you know, coming up with ideas way back in January of this year, uh, doing a Star Wars themed episode was definitely on the top of my list, uh, including getting to release it on May the 4th and to have a conversation about Star Wars with my very good friend, Kevin Weir, who is definitely the most qualified person I know to talk about this uh, subject here. We, we discussed many great things in regards to Star Wars, but again, our initial conversation went an hour and a half talking about the entire history of Star Wars. And in retrospect, an hour and a half actually may not be that long, to be honest, when it comes to everything related to Star Wars. But uh, on average, my podcasts are running between uh, 30 minutes to 40 minutes. So I figured an hour and a half might be a little too long for some people to digest. So I opted to re- uh, split the interview with Kevin into two parts. Part one, we're going to be discussing the history of Star Wars, um, going back to our experiences and impressions watching the original trilogy, growing up with that, with the toys, the Kenner action figures. And then, of course, talking about the prequel trilogy starting in the late 90s to the mid 2000s. And that's going to encompass what we talk about in part one. Part two, we're going to be discussing Kevin joining up with the 501st Legion, uh, particularly with the Southern California Garrison and the Disney acquisition of Star Wars and everything that entails. So please sit back, relax, enjoy this uh, episode of Star Wars, uh, talking about Star Wars. And I hope you also enjoyed that intro song. Uh, I really wanted to uh, convey the feeling and the emotions of Star Wars without running into any legal problems by using the, the John Williams score, which I don't have a license to. But I thought that a knockoff song is actually pretty cool. I thought it was uh, a good addition to the show, and I hope you agree. Okay, so without further ado, here is my part one of my conversation with Kevin about Star Wars. Joining me now on a very special Star Wars edition of the Casting for Fun podcast is my very good friend, Kevin Weir. Kevin, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, Albert. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for, for joining us. I'm, I'm very grateful and excited that we have this opportunity to talk Star Wars uh, mm-hmm. and that we get to celebrate something that we're really passionate about. Uh, so I'm hoping that on May the 4th, people get a chance to listen to this and uh, just enjoy and uh, relish in this awesome thing that we have called Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. we've been friends for a lot of years and it is one thing, you know, that we've always discussed every now and then when we get that opportunity. But uh, I appreciate you asking me to be a, uh, a guest on your podcast show. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So uh, I definitely want to just go over the entire history of Star Wars. We can take all the time we need. uh, Oh, my gosh. We got like, (laughs) what is that going to take, like two years? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But again, yeah, talking about how positive it's been for us, how much fun, uh, as as in the case with most uh, 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 intellectual properties, like whatever it happens to be uh, there, there's the mishaps. Yes. But again, we want to take this opportunity to really celebrate the great things of Star Wars, which I think far away anything that may be kind of negative that comes out. So right. that's what we're going to be discussing, uh, the history of Star Wars from a certain point of view, which would be our point of view. <laughs> exactly, right? I mean, I mean, how many other 
you know, movie and, and fan base uh, scenarios or whatever you want to call it, have their own Star Wars day, May the 4th. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm yeah. just primarily a Star Wars fan, but to have your own day, May the 4th, I think that's pretty cool in itself. Oh, yeah, yeah. The only thing I think maybe sort of close to it, I think uh, Stan Lee's hometown has dedicated his birthday as like a, like a holiday for the town. But oh, that's not even like a national thing. I think that's just kind of a local thing. Okay, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's jump right into it. So first, I wanted to ask you, Kevin, so starting from the very beginning, uh, do you remember how you were first introduced to Star Wars and why it resonated with you so much when you were a kid? Well, I don't exactly remember all the details, but I have an older brother. He's uh, four years older than me. And having conversations with him about when was the first time I saw Star Wars? I was trying to like figure that out because I was born in 75 and Star Wars came out in 77. And so I was nothing but about a year and a half old, I guess, when Star Wars actually came out. And my brother said, even though it came out in May, you know, a lot of people were seeing it. A lot of our friends were seeing it. Um, he said, it took a while for my parents to take us to um, the theater to see. He said, it wasn't actually till August because he told my parents that that's all he wanted to do for his birthday. So he's, he's August, uh, born in August as, as well as myself, but four years apart. And he vaguely remembers me going. Um, and that's about it. And I, I don't really remember watching Star Wars, but in this conversation I had with him, I said, what I do remember is Empire Strikes Back. I remember being at the old West Cove Theater and I remember having this moment of like kind of getting scared, you know? I mean, I was, mm -hmm. oh gosh, how old would I be? Do the math. I don't know, like five years you old maybe, be, right? Uh, five, five years old, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, five years old. So I do remember um, that, you know, Luke was um, kind of like the, the trap. I mean, you know, that Han and Leia were the bait into Cloud City. And the moment that Darth Vader and Luke um, were in Cloud City and the stairs lit up orange, uh, I remember getting scared. And I remember sitting on my dad's lap and kind of turning my back to the theater and, and to, the, to the screen and only kind of turning around a little bit to, to watch, you know, because that moment was um, pretty impactful for me of like, what's going to happen to Luke, you know? Mm -hmm. As a little kid, right away, my brother and I really, really connected to Star Wars. Absolutely. So um, it was a little small, terrifying moment for me, but at least it made an impact in my in my life and in my memory that I do remember watching Empire Strikes Back in the in the theater. Uh, we did not see apparently we did not see Return of the Jedi in the theater. We went to a friend's house who had like a pirated copy uh, on a laser disc or something, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so, yeah, my introduction to actually Star Wars um, like I said, I don't really remember, but Empire stuck with me and seeing Return of the Jedi, uh, you know, that stuck with me. And then pretty much all we had after that was a bunch of the cassette tapes, the novels, the records, the books that I think kept it very entertaining for us. And then like for Christmas or our birthdays, um, we would always get the action figures. And um, because my brother and I, our birthdays were both in August, we had to spend our birthdays together. So it was like a joint birthday party which made it kind of good and bad because we had a lot more friends that would come. But um, we had this thing where the action figures we got were mostly duplicates. And I remember like if my Nana would go with us and go to Toys R Us, we wouldn't be able to get a lot of the rare obscure characters 
because there'd only be one on the peg. But if there was two on the peg, then we can get it because then she felt like we weren't going to fight over it. <laughs> so, I mean, while we had quite a bit of action figures, you know, I felt like, you know, we didn't, we, I don't think we ever got like all of the action figures, you know, like we might have gotten most of the original 12. Um, you know, and then I think later on, it was like, what, 78, I think, um, by that time you got to Return of the Jedi or something like that. Or was that Empire? I'm getting a little uh, confused there. Uh, 80 would have been Empire, then 83 would have been uh, Jedi. No, I mean, the, the, the count oh. of action figures. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. I apologize. I, I think that's what it is, right? The yeah, original yeah, I think 12, so. 12 back, 12, 12 yeah. uh, action figures on the back of the card. I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. I think we might have ended up getting most of them by the by the by christmas time you know so action figures played a big part to our um keeping the star wars uh, alive for us as kids you know because mm -hmm. we didn't have the opportunity like people do now to just you know go to disney plus and, and watch it you know this is back where i don't even think it was released on vhs for many many years later probably not until i was in my teens I'd have to Google search it, but I want to say, yeah, it was probably maybe like the, the late 80s when VHS, like you can actually buy a movie on, on VHS. And back then movies were really expensive too. Right, right. And they're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do remember going to my friend's aunt's house and they had Star Wars on VHS by the TV. And I was like, let's watch it. And my friends were like, no, no, let's go. I think we're like at a beach house. So like, no, let's go to the beach. You know, but I was like, I just wanted to watch Star Wars. So it was really hard, you know, to keep Star Wars alive because we didn't have the ability to just watch it whenever we wanted. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it was kind of like without without the action figures to keep it alive or um, the books, um, whether it be the, the coloring books or the story books or uh, a few of the, um, what were they? They were like, um, kind of like scenes from the movie were in the books. And so, you know, it was like little storybooks, but you only got little, those few frames to kind of like tell the story, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that was kind of my early uh, introduction to, to Star Wars and Empire and Return of the Jedi. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I Just like you, Kevin, I don't think I can quite remember how I was first introduced to it because to me, it just seems like it was always part of my life. Like it was just always there. Uh, and then again, just watching all three movies all the time. It was just such a great memory for me as a child. And uh, on the other podcast I did about related to Star Wars with my brother, Fernando, and our, our mutual good friend, Nick Turner, uh, yeah. we, we talked about briefly, like, what was your favorite, like, action sequence from any Star Wars property? And to this day, I can go back and just pick Return of the Jedi when Luke gives the, the salute signal to R2 and he shoots out the, the lightsaber. And then just as a kid, absolutely loving that. That was the greatest action sequence in my mind. And then you throw in John Williams' score on top of that. It was just uh, pure magic. It just, oh, yeah. If I can describe it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of neat to see kind of like from a story point uh, to see Luke's character blossoms or at the very beginning kind of being this naive kid you mm -hmm. know kind of like following you know the the the, the path without yeah. really knowing the path right and yeah. then you get to empire and he's kind of like feeling more confident about you know things but he's still conflicted with his his choice of of things and his the growth of of learning the force force and also the the um conflict of friends and and making sure that they're well protected and then by the time you get to return of the jedi i mean he's like 
he's got it all planned out on how he's going to save Han. You know, it's like, it's pretty cool. You know? Yeah. That line in uh, when he says, uh, just stick to Chewie and Lando, I'll take care of everything. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Going back to, to empire. I wanted to ask you the question, if you can remember, uh, hearing or seeing the plot twist from from empire strikes back that it's the big reveal that darth vader is uh luke's uh father this whole time i would still consider it probably the greatest plot twist in the history of cinema uh but personally as a kid again i i can't quite remember finding out or how i found out it was just always ingrained into my mind so i was wondering if you have memories of like when you found that out and how you felt well um i vaguely remember so my brother would read a lot of the novels, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and I, I, I don't really recall that, but I do remember kind of like the hype of wondering what was going to happen for Empire Strikes Back when when we started to learn that there was going to be another movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I think my, my brother had gotten confused or I had gotten confused saying, oh, I, it looks like uh, Luke's going to have a twin brother and his name is Mark. And we're like, but then realizing that Mark Hamill is actually his real name, not his character name, you know? So we're, I think there was kind of like this whole idea of like, who's, what's this other twin going to be like, you know? And I have no idea as being kids, you know, we're literally like four or five years old and he's like nine or almost 10, just trying to like, you know, kind of like almost what we do now, how we speculate and we hope and we try to predict what's going to happen with all the new stuff. We were very much doing the same thing there. I don't think we could have ever predicted um, that Darth Vader could have been his father, which is weird because, I mean, his name means father, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, like, we didn't know that, right? Um, but in that moment, um, I, I don't recall, I, I do recall where, when Darth Vader was starting to throw all the objects at him and the window and stuff was breaking and just seeing how much more powerful he was. In, in the sense where Luke thought he really maybe had a chance with him, but then he just kind of got really beat, not just to, by the lightsaber, but by the force abilities in itself of being able to throw objects, you know, and, and then having him get thrown out the window. I just remember how that just really gravitated towards me in, in like, like in the sense of defeat. And then I think that led up to this crazy reveal of him being his father. It's like, what? Like, I think I was, I think I, you know, I think that's, I mean, it's, it's a perfect, perfect plot twist, as you say, but just probably how Luke felt at that moment, Luke felt at that moment, you know, in character being like, this can't be true. This has got to be a trick. Like, there's no way, right? Like, there's no way, like, it just, but yeah, it's, it, it, it was something that definitely um, stood out big time in that, in that movie of uh, what everybody was talking about. Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting to read articles and stories about that. I mean, I don't know exactly how accurate it is, but what I've heard and read is that the only ones who knew were George Lucas, Mark Hamill, uh, James Earl Jones, who obviously delivered the lines from for Darth Vader. And I want to say David Prowse, since he was the, the actor in the Darth Vader suit, I think maybe he knew, but it was really just those four. So it was probably one of the best kept secrets. Right. And, I don't and, know and if David there was no internet. So <laughs> right, right, right. And I don't know if David Prowse did. I, I don't know. He's the only one I haven't heard. But yeah, I know I remember a, an interview with James Earl Jones saying, like, what? This can't be like you, you don't want me to read this. There's gotta be a mistake in this line, you know, just yeah. something to that effect of like 
no way. And I thought, I thought it was that they were going to say that um, Obi-Wan was your father. That's what the script had all along. And it wasn't until just that moment that, and I'm wondering now, did Luke know or see, that's interesting. Now we need to go back. So I'm wondering now if Luke knew at that moment or like what line was actually said while cameras were rowing now, because we know that it, that James Earl Jones voiced it in later, right? Yeah, so post-production, uh, yeah. Right, post-production, yeah. So now you got me thinking, like, were the lines delivered as Obi-Wan is your father? And Luke just acted really, really terrified? Or did he actually say, I'm your father? Like, now you got me wondering. Oh, I think the, the line that was improvised or, or said on the spot was uh, Obi-Wan killed your father. And I think that would have maybe like in, uh, incited that, that reaction from Mark Hamill's performance as Luke. So like, no, that's impossible. Gotcha. I think but, uh, uh, it'd be yeah. interesting to read more about that because again, it, it, I find the whole thing just absolutely fascinating, but. Yeah. You know, I, um, yeah, I, obviously I haven't gone into the length of detail in, in quite a long time about that. And so I'm kind of working on vague memory here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, I mean, we can go on the original trilogy for, for hours. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to bring up specifically or, or do you want to go ahead and move uh, on? No. To I mean, as far as the original trilogy, I mean, yeah, it's funny. We were just, I was actually just talking to somebody else about um, little things, you know, like it wasn't called a new hope. It was just star Wars for, for us. Oh yeah. You know? yeah. And we were having this little uh, discussion about the, um, the Star Wars language, you know, I, I believe they call it Arabish, you know, the very unique uh, character lettering that, that they use, um, that it isn't the normal, like standardized uh, English alphabet. And I said, well, actually, I remember when Obi-Wan was turning off the tractor beam, it literally said tractor beam. It wasn't until <laughs> the special edition that they changed the font out, you know, so it's kind of like for argument's sake, we were just kind of joking around recently that maybe the Empire has kind of like overturned all the all the lettering in the Star Wars galaxy. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so as, as you mentioned, I mean, there, there was a little bit of a drought uh, after the original trilogy. And plus, yeah. we had the toys. I mean, there were books. Uh, I don't know. Did, we, did you ever get into the, the Thrawn trilogy? Uh, so again, that's considered, no, I didn't either, but from, from what I heard, I mean, Grand Admiral Thrawn was such a huge popular character, so much so that they decided to actually incorporate him into actual canon. So we get to see him in Rebels, and then when he was name-dropped in The Mandalorian Season 2, I just, wow, was blown away, so... Uh, I guess we'll we'll have to come back to Thrawn another time when he actually makes his live-action debut, but I'm excited for that. Yeah, I... I mean, I, they definitely speculated on that. Uh, so hopefully we see that either in Mandalorian or in the uh, upcoming uh, Ahsoka show. I'm, I'm sure, you know, with them mentioning that and, and, and as you mentioned in, in Rebels, you know, with him kind of being a prominent character who we uh, see last with Ezra, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm definitely, definitely uh, thinking that we're going to get some sort of uh, reappearance of, of the character. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're in the nineties. Um, you're in your late teens. I'm in my early teens, but then we get to uh, the, the original trilogy being re-released, the special editions. 
So uh, lots of cool adjustments that they made, but I know some things that might've been a little bit questionable. Uh, Did you have any thoughts or impressions about getting to see Star Wars in the theater for, uh, I mean, again, you had mentioned that it was only maybe just Empire, but for me, it was, I actually got to see the original trilogy on a big screen for the first time. So I was actually pretty excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. For all the, for the re-release that was coming in in the, in the nineties. I mean, I remember uh, I was in college and my sister called me, this must have been around 94 or 95. And she was like, Star Wars is coming back. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, like there's action figures. And I was like, what do you mean action figures? She's like, it's really coming back. And so like I came home from um, college and I remember going to, I think it was called Spencer's that the, it was like in the mall. And sure oh, yeah. enough, they had, they had Power of the Force. There was X-Wings and mm-hmm. I think a TIE fighter and like a few figures. And and it was this on the like orange card, you know, Power of the Force. And I was just like, oh my goodness, it, it really is coming back. And obviously that was all leading, leading up to the special edition. And um, I mean, you might remember Michael Kadena. Do you remember uh, him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I did, I did some, yeah. So, so um, I think we saw like every re-release Star Wars film in theater. We were like the guys that would... Um, stay in line you know like mm-hmm. the midnight release type stuff so uh-huh. that was that was us for all the re-release for um and even even for uh the phantom menace you know we stood in line waiting for that um attack of the clones revenge of the sith i mean we we were we were definitely amongst that group that was very excited for the prequels as well so yeah, I guess I've been a Star Wars kind of enthusiast my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so that, that brings us now to the next point. So now we're coming for the hype for the announcement of the, the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Uh, the internet was just a brand new thing. So it wasn't really as like, you know, I think uh, as rampant as finding out news and things like that. Because again, uh, at the time, I had no idea who Liam Neeson or Ewan McGregor were or Natalie Portman. But uh, I remember... I want to say it was the year before it was released in 1998. There was a, a Brad Pitt movie called uh, Meet Joe Black, which had the debut trailer for Phantom Menace. And that movie did just massive money because everybody was buying tickets just to see the trailer. Yeah. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then I remember NBC News was like, OK, well, we're going to show you the trailer for free. So you don't have to go see that Brad Pitt movie. <laughs> but uh, well, uh, so I remember was- not, I, I knew Natalie Portman back when she was. Well, I didn't know her. I'm sorry, but I knew yeah. of her as an actress back from uh, the professional. And oh, okay. When she was really little, yeah, young yeah, girl. Yeah, she was, I think, 14 doing yeah. that movie or something like that. And um, Ewan McGregor, I think he was like an extra on like an N- uh, NCI type show. Like he, or some, I'm, I'm, I'm vaguely remembering. It's like he robbed a liquor store or something. Like that. His character did something like that. I could be off, but I kind of remember seeing him early early on as a young actor uh-huh. and then seeing him as this i was like whoa that's pretty cool you know um but, well there, uh, there, there were other movies that they did that i didn't really see like again the, oh. the prestige movie that uh liam neeson had done was uh schindler's list the oh, right. Spielberg, uh, uh, world war ii movie or about the the holocaust so uh again actors that were just amazing but again i don't know if we knew that they had been cast i think it was just okay here's the phantom menace and here's the trailer Right, right. Me away. 
Right, right. It, it, in, in that time, it was more like it was just dumped on us. It didn't yeah. like nowadays we, we kind of get little trinkle of information. Like you says, the Internet is so more uh, accessible now to yeah. every little nuance of, of information, you know, um, and uh, I, I try not to like I try not to be um, uh, saturated with all that information. I really like to watch things with with fresh eyes and and, mm-hmm. and kind of stay away from spoilers yeah um and i and i tried to do that i think for uh attack of the clones um but when it or, or for, you know for first for phantom menace obviously because i i really didn't have much computer experience or, or internet experience or anything at that time and then attack of the clones i was also just kind of trying to maybe stay away from that and see what would what would happen but when it came to revenge of the sith Oh man, it was so hard to be spoiler free. I remember, um, let's see, what year would that have been in? That would have been, what year was uh, Revenge of the Sith? Sith? I think was uh, 2005. 2005, okay. So let's see, then that would have been, so that means my oldest son was almost eight years old when that came out. And I remember just, that evening before the midnight release, stumbling a, across a, a, a basic script of kind of like what was gonna happen in that story. And I remember reading it and I really wish I didn't cause I felt like it kind of spoiled it for me. And I think that's the reason I try not to get spoiled now. But I remember waking up my son and, and, um, and asking him, hey, do you kind of want to get an idea what this is about or not? And then we actually then went at midnight and, and, and watched it together. So. Uh, and then Michael um, met us there. And so, yeah, like it, it's, Star Wars has always been a family thing too, but as far as spoilers and internet, it, it's definitely evolved over the years and the uh, accessibility to information now is far more greater than what it used to be. Almost too much now, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. Uh, so, so the prequels are out. I mean, uh, did you have any thoughts, impressions? I know sometimes there's been mixed feelings about the prequels, but for me personally, I enjoy them for what they are. I thought they were fun, entertaining, and just bringing back the spirit of Star Wars. So uh, I don't think you really can go wrong with that. But Right, right, right. I mean, for me, you know, um, it, it took a while for me to really ponder on those movies and watch them several times. And in a nutshell, I was like, okay, well, I guess... You know, the the Phantom Menace felt a little slow, didn't quite feel like Star Wars to me, but I was like, well, every story has to have a starting point, you know? And and then I started thinking about it more and more. I was like, wait a minute. I think the fact that everything's so clean and fresh and new, like the Naboo Starfighter is very shiny. I'm like, wait, this makes sense. This is like all, you know, like before the aftermath of war, like what we're used to seeing with Luke, like Mm -hmm. Luke's living in the depression, right? So obviously what we're doing is we're coming back in time to where things were very polished and clean and sort of running smooth, but but things were starting to, you know, kind of like bottlenecked and and there was starting to be more uh, ethical like struggles. And then, you know, so really, you know, the whole democracy and all that kind of thing, like, I really wasn't really into, you know, um, the 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 debate. Like, how would I say? Like the, um, you know, the, the structure of the separation of of um, gosh, what's the words I'm looking for? Um, like 
politics of Star Wars, right? Um, but it makes sense. It makes sense to see how Palpatine just planned this thing all the way from the beginning. It really strengthens his character to, to just show you how well he's manipulated people. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I wasn't quite sure how I felt about it. But later on and going back and watching it again, it really makes me appreciate the fact that the Phantom Menace was, you know, you know, in the beginning stages of, of um, digital technology, you know, and, um, and, you know, and seeing what John Knoll had brought to it and, and, and the team as well of bringing kind of like CGI life characters and, you know, the, the, the hard work that they had to put into Jar Jar make him um, believable, right? I mean, and and just and then as simple as in the pod race, a lot of the the people in the stands, I don't know if you know this or not, were just different color painted Q-tips. Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> you know, so it's like you got drastic from totally like CGI in the beginning to your very old school model technology type, you know, just hands on creation and and the ship so it's just this very um fluidness of artistry coming together to to tell a story you know and then um you know as you you move on to attack the clones i mean we're very much reaching deeper into the cgi world of of the clones being fully cgi'd you know um but yeah looking back on them i i i think they're great um you know, I know, as you said, there were some people who were just like what they say, OT purist, you know, original trilogy. And then there's some who, you know, don't really connect with the prequels. Um, but for me personally, I think it's it's one big story arc that, that tells the story of the Skywalker family from Anakin and his, you know, unfortunate, um, you know, uh, mistake of making kind of an essentially a deal with the devil you know, and um, which brings the redemption of him at the end of Return of the Jedi and, and Luke's belief and Leia's belief, you know, and the fact that Padme believed, you know, and told Obi-Wan they're still good in him. It really just brings all that so much better, more like a cohesive arc uh, and storytelling of all six films. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I really love about the prequels also would be the casting of Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. I really loved his character to see him grow the way he did and to get the backstory on Obi-Wan, because, again, we didn't get to know much about him during the original trilogy. So to, to see him as a character and then to eventually get to see him in his own Disney Plus show, I'm really looking forward to that. So I think it's going to give an even like a uh, uh, better or even more cohesive bridge between uh the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy once we get the obi-wan series oh i completely agree with you yes um yeah i would say he definitely was kind of like the glue uh, of of the prequels it was just something about him and being able to see him as a, a kind of a young padawan with um liam nielsen you know as his master and just seeing him grow and and then take on the responsibility to train the young boy that his former master you know, requesting on his, on his death for him to train and just, but yeah, just, you know, Obi-Wan, the the way that they put his role as this, you know, wise, you know, Jedi and and yet having the responsibility to teach um, the the one who's supposed to be the chosen one. I mean, there's, there was a lot that was put on him 
that he wasn't obviously ready for, but he was willing to take on that responsibility as, as a promise to his former master, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, Anakin being pulled away fr- from his mother to have a, a second chance at life in a, in a sense, you know, um, there, there's a lot for him. And, and as, as a young boy being pulled away to, to learn the ways of the force and, and yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely, I don't know what to say. It's, it's definitely, um, their, their relationship, you know, is definitely something that I'm looking forward to seeing what more do they have to share or tell us in the new Kenobi series, you know, like, cause they, they've already mentioned that, um, you know, he's coming back as Darth Vader. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think, I think it's Kenobi's going to be one of these, um, new live action shows that Disney plus is doing that. It's going to be probably the most viewed show during the month of, of, uh, of June, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this might be kind of a minor theme, but again, I'm what I'm really excited to see. And if this rumor pans out to be true that uh, Jimmy Schmitz was going to be returning to play Bail Organa in the series that we get to see more of the relationship and friendship between Obi-Wan and Bail Organa, because from what we see in just in uh, uh, a new hope, uh, we, we get the line from Leia years ago, you served my father in the Clone Wars. So, I mean, the, the impression I always got just filling in the blanks in my own head was that uh, Obi-Wan and Bale were really good friends. So uh, if that doesn't come to be, that's okay. But again, I, again, more, more connectivity, more cohesion between the, the two trilogies, I think would be great. And I think Obi-Wan's going to uh, deliver on that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have not heard anything about, um, about him coming back, Bale Organa coming back. But I mean, it, it makes sense um, because you've got in Rogue One where, you know, as what did, I forgot what the line was exactly, but he does make a mention that he, you know he's going to make a connection to to Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah, I'm off yeah. something like, uh, "What about your friend, the Jedi?" Right, 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 exactly. So we know we know that obviously he's he's stayed in touch at some yeah. point to know where he's at, yeah, to know where to you know get get Leia there. So I would say, yeah, they probably somehow had some private open channels of, of communication or, or, or something, you know, that's, um, I mean, yeah, I guess it wouldn't be too far fetched of an idea to, to see them or to see him. And I mean, we know we're going to see Luke and he's 10 years old, but I don't know if they've even, um, clarified or specified if we are going to see a young Leia as well. I mean, that would be pretty cool to kind of see what, what's going on in, in her life. I mean, we know, in rebels we see her and she's already taken on the role at yeah. about 15 years old she's already kind of taken on this role uh of, of um leadership so mm-hmm. maybe she, at 10 years old she's being groomed for that you know yeah yeah uh like you mentioned also it's probably a good idea not to uh 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 take in too much information to watch it with fresh eyes but but yeah. also what i'm really excited to potentially see would be liam neeson return as a force goes to teach and mentor Obi-Wan so oh absolutely um, yeah I, I, because you know that was like one of the very ends of um Revenge of the Sith that is uh I think Yoda had said you know more more to uh to learn you have 
uh, on your, in your solitude or something like that. Right. He's yeah. like, what, yeah. you know? And so, you know, they, they've obviously made mention of that. And, uh, you know, I'm just speculating here. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm thinking, okay, obviously Obi-Wan's going to have a hard time of coping of what just happened. And yeah. he's definitely going to need that, uh, that uh, ability to be able to reach out uh, to his former master for guidance, you mm -hmm. know, uh, because I mean, it, he, he might be able to reach out to Yoda as well, but you know, Yoda's in hiding also, you know, um, which um, it, this won't be a spoiler because it's in the little uh, trailer they've provided. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you pay close attention in that trailer, you see two uh, escape pods fly off in space in two different directions. I'm wondering if they're going to bring that all the way back to the moment of them leaving um, Bail Organa and jettisoning off in um, pods. You know, oh, like, yeah. Yeah, you know, how, how did they leave? You know, so I don't know. It'd be kind of cool if they bring it almost back to, to that, like to do a little bit of a recap yeah. closer to episode three so that it really bridges like from the very moment moving forward kind of like how they did where the very end of rogue one is like the very beginning of a new hope yeah. you know yeah. i, I kind of hope they do something like that where there's they don't leave a, a three-year gap or a five-year gap like like it's just okay boom right at three go right up here and then we get into about a 10-year time frame of 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 the training or the ob over what's not the what's the word i'm looking for the um observation of young luke you know that he's promised to watch out for him mm -hmm. yeah my That's understanding my yeah my understanding is uh the obi-wan uh series is going to be just one season so my guess is yeah i think they will wrap it up so i don't think we'll get multiple seasons like we will for uh like we've gotten for mandalorian or book of boba fett right we do know it's uh six episodes you yeah. know uh we don't know how long each episode is at least i don't think that's been announced yet Mm -hmm. uh, all, all they've mentioned is that we get the opportunity to see the first two episodes at, at Star Wars Celebration on the 27th. Awesome. Um, so um, I don't know if, the, I mean, if they would be an hour long, that might be too long to see two episodes. If they're 45 minutes long, well, then that means everybody's going to be there for an hour and a half. Maybe that's more practical. You mm -hmm. know, I think people were kind of shooting between the 45 minute to an hour long each episode. I think that's kind of the, the hope. But I mean, it could even be 30 minutes per episode. Who knows? Yeah. I guess we'll find out soon. <laughs> uh, anything else with the, the prequel trilogy? Uh, with the prequel? Um, no, I mean, I mean, I think we covered most most of that there. Um, so yeah, I guess like just to wrap it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of the prequel. It took a little bit of rewatching and better understanding, you know, the importance of the story arc. Um, but yeah. I'd say I'm a prequel fan as well as an OT fan. Thank you for listening to part one of my Star Wars Day conversation with Kevin Weir. Be sure to check out part two, which is going to be released on May the 10th, where we're going to be discussing Kevin joining up with the 501st Legion and the Disney acquisition of Star Wars and much more related to Star Wars. So thank you again so much for listening. You've been listening to the Casting for Fun podcast. 